folks, guess what? The Detroit Women of Comedy Fest is back, baby! We're going to be streaming across Planet Ants channels on June 4th and June 5th. That's their Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. You get it. There's going to be so much funny stuff. We're talking sketch, stand-up, podcasts, live stream, workshops, special guests. Head over to DetroitWomenOfComedy.com to find out how you can join the fun. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody, it is scaring is sharing as it always, is. as oh. always. <laughs> no, that's fine. You go right ahead. As always, it's me, Jeremy Rusk, the original Sasquatch Slim here with the beautiful Brandy Joe Planbeck. Thank you so much, Jeremy. The flaming scream queen is me. And this is the place where we share our scares with each other and you. We talk about horror things and then we share a couple of scary movies that we haven't seen and with one another. In the world, really. And talk about them. It's a very special episode. It's our uh, 30th episode. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. It is. I can't believe we're still doing this. I know. Time just flies by. Uh, but we have a very special guest today. Hello, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Allison McGroach. So excited to be here. Oh my God. So I have known Allison for, I don't know, not, I mean, probably peripherally, like close to a decade, because we're both in the Detroit theater scene. And I mean, I've seen you in things, I've directed you before, and mm -hmm. you're just like a mainstay in the community. I mean, everybody who works with you absolutely loves you because you are just a, a force to be reckoned with and uh, one of the kindest people ever. Ah, uh, thanks. That's well, that's good to hear. I'm glad people don't think I'm like <laughs> an asshole. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> the furthest thing from it. I was actually just watching Mommy Dearest, and it reminded me that the first time I ever saw anything at the Ringwald or saw you was when you were in Mommy Queerest. Oh my God. That, that was, was like a the long first time ago. <laughs> yeah. And it was amazing. And I was like, what is this place? <laughs> <laughs> that was like in a, a good wild way. Show. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. So, Jeremy, how do you know Allison? Through my wife. Like, I know all theater people. <laughs> <laughs> it's through her her theater connections like you, uh, Brandy Joe, and then just Allison has worked with my wife in a few things. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm really excited to get to chat with you, actually, Jeremy, because I don't think we have ever really done that much. So, no, this not is really. Great. So, <laughs> I initially we the idea to bring you on was sort of a twofold thing. One. I was watching trailers on YouTube like I do often. Like I have subscriptions to many uh, a various movie trailer channel. And I'm watching one and all of a sudden there you are in this trailer <laughs> for a movie called An Intrusion. Yeah. So I was like, how cool. I mean, it doesn't look straight up horror, but it looks, as we like to say, horror adjacent. It definitely is a thriller vibe that I imagine yeah. some people get killed. I'm not sure. It's still like, as they say, on the shelf, but it's going to be coming out when the time is right. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, um, I spoke with the AD recently and he did let me know that it's being submitted to festivals. Um, there's no like hard and fast release date, but, um, you know, they're putting it out there and um, 
yeah, we'll see what happens. And did they film that in Detroit? Is that how you got wrapped up in it? Yeah, um, the AD, Alex, he actually encouraged me to audition, to send in, uh, you know, an audition tape because they were looking for someone who had kind of an alternative look. And um, I was like, I have blue hair and a nose ring. Um, let me <laughs> check. Let me try this. <laughs> and they liked my audition tape and they had me be in the film. The poster has a creepy sort of Alice, sweet Alice looking mask on it, but also people holding guns. So it's like, what is this film? I'm very intrigued. Yeah. A lot of action, a lot of suspense. <laughs> so Alice, sweet Alice with guns sounds great. So I, would totally, <laughs> I would totally see that. Yes. And so secondly, that we've, like I often, Jeremy and I both post when we have a new episode out and I put something up on our Facebooks and say like, here's what we're talking about this week. And you've commented on a couple of them. So I was like, that's right. I've directed her in a play that is horror related, like it was horror stories by our good friend, a very talented man named Joseph Zettelmeyer. And the play was called Campfire. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, Allison is a big lover of horror movies. She's been in this upcoming horror movie. Like we got to have her on. And then we start <laughs> talking and I realized I kind of have that wrong. At least you've not always been a horror fan. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's actually a really recent thing. Um, so I was a huge chicken for most of my life. I could not handle horror movies, like some maybe thrillers, but no like possession, no ghosts, no demons, no jump scares. Forget it. I like my friends would be like, hey, let's, you know, watch this movie. I'll be with you. You'll be fine. And I would be like screaming and crying like halfway in. So it was not a thing. <laughs> were there particular movies that you remember like traumatizing you as a yes. youth yes absolutely movies that i saw like let's see before i actually got into being okay with horror um chucky <laughs> that was like one of the first ones i was maybe like 12 and my friends were like this movie's so cool we were like at a sleepover they were like oh this movie's great we're gonna watch scary movies and i did not sleep that night <laughs> um and then the a little later on was the Babadook. Mm. Um, and I was in my 20s at that point. I was maybe like 22, 23. And again, screaming and crying, a grown ass woman. Yep. <laughs> when I directed you in Campfire at the Ringwald, which is a Joseph Zettelmeyer joint, there's a wraparound story about the, this family and a newcomer, which was you, who are telling scary stories around a campfire and then there are these like various stories throughout and while watching that we watched a couple of scary movies at the theater like late night with like the screen pulled down i think we watched creep show and i think the final girls as well you were there for that weren't you yeah we watched um i think we're still here something about a fire yes yes we watched about? that on the show yep with the ghosts and like the the, the ghosts in the basement and yep there's yeah. like fire mm -hmm. yeah hell yeah i didn't want to look lame so i was like yeah i'll hang out and watch those movies i i was uncomfortable i was like i can't run screaming out of this like these are like horror movie fans i can't just like run screaming i'm just gonna sit here just you know surrounded by my friends it's okay just you know deep breaths <laughs> That's amazing. But like doing the like, because I never knew that about you until we've recently been having these conversations about having yeah. you on the show. So you did hold it together very well. You were quite Thanks. a pro. Glad I fooled you. <laughs> in regards to acting in scary things, like in Campfire, you had to be 
the center of many a distressing situation. You had your mm-hmm. throat ripped open. You yeah. <laughs> lots of various things. That was one of my favorite blood effects. I mean, there's was uh, the price still like we're no longer in that space, but there was blood on the ceiling from the squib that was mm-hmm. used to have your throat ripped out at the end of that play. <laughs> that was but, a very explosive squib. Are you able to put aside those internal like? fears of horror when you're acting in something? Is it easy for you to get lost in it and not be hung up on that? Yeah, it's completely different when I'm actually in the thing as opposed to watching it because I don't, like, I don't know. It's It seems like, I don't want to say I don't get immersed in it because I do. It's just like in a different way. And mm-hmm. acting, even if it's like, you know, I'm getting my throat ripped out or it's like a distressing situation, it's there's this adrenaline going and that's exciting for me as an actor. So I'm not really just like sitting there being bombarded by the story that's like creeping into my, my, <laughs> I don't know, creeping into my brain and making me not sleep at night. I, I get home and I'm like, that was a great rehearsal. That was a great show. Like how fun. I can't wait to do it again tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. And you found sort of a new appreciation for horror because of another horror play that you did by the same playwright, Joseph Zettelmeyer. Am I correct? Can you tell us about yes. that? Yeah, so um, it was 2019. It was with the the company Roustabout uh, in Ypsilanti, and um, it was the Great Lakes Ghost Project. Uh, So this was a compilation of stories that Joe had like put feelers out to Michiganders, and he was like, "Hey, submit your like real life stories and weird supernatural encounters. Submit them to me. I'm gonna, you know, I'm working on a project." And he made this like compilation of local ghost stories. And doing that play, how how did it change your perception on on horror and scary things? So I think because they were real stories that had happened to people, it was a little bit more it was it was more spooky than being in something like like Campfire. I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff really happened. Like people really saw these things. There was also a basement to the space that we were in. And everyone wanted to explore it. And it was like a creepy, like dingy, weird storage space. Like there were like mannequins and Lord knows what else down there, like not well lit, stone, rubble. Um, And the cast went down there and we, I think we had some kind of app up or we might've had a prop that was like a, what are those? I can't remember what they're called. Not, Not EMF, like the ghost detector machine thing. I can't remember what they're called. I'm thinking of Ghostbusters, the PKE meter, but that's made up. <laughs> um, you're thinking of electromagnetic like breeder or something like that. It, yeah. It was pro- EMF reader. Yeah, maybe? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Electromagnetic pulse reader or something like that. Yeah. I think it was an EMF reader is what they call it. So electromagnetic field. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. we, we took the prop down into the basement and I was just like, Hey, you, Hey ghosts, you should come see our dress rehearsal today. Like, you know, trying to make light of it. Cause I was spooked. And that rehearsal, we had so many technical difficulties. We had like lights going out. We had, and after everyone was like, Allison, why did you invite the ghosts? Why did you do that? (laughs) But after doing that play, did you start enjoying horror more and watching more movies? Yeah. For some reason, I was just like, 
I feel okay with this now. Like I was also listening to um, a podcast called two girls, one ghost where they tell Mm. ghost stories. That's a great title. I know. Right. Um, It's, it's super fun. So, and they kind of mix the ghost stories with comedy kind of like Joe does too. So Mm -hmm. both of those things were going on at the same time. It was like September, October of 2019 Halloween was in the air and I was just very immersed in it in like a great way though. And I went home and I was working on my Halloween costume and I was like, you know, I'm going to watch, I'm going to try my hand at this. I'm going to watch Insidious. And I put it on, I got some wine and I was like sewing, sewing up a storm on my costume. And there was like a scare and I screamed and then, and then I laughed because (laughs) I don't know, like some, like the adrenaline, it really got me. And I was, I screamed and then I was like, oh shit. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm okay with horror now. Like that was kind of fun. So you got over it. Is there anything since that, since that experience, have you watched anything that you had to turn off? Cause you're like, yeah, nope, not doing this. Yes. I still have not finished his house. That just horrified me. Um, I do want to finish it, but I don't think that's a like watch alone at night film for me. <laughs> yeah, we watched that on the show too. I love yeah. that movie. It yeah. reminds me of the Babadook in that way that it's very real life situations, but they put in this horror element to sort of show that reality in a different light, yeah. the, the hor- horrificness of what's going on. It's really beautiful and very powerful. Yes, absolutely. It, and, and the acting was amazing. And it was a really, you know, well done film. But yeah, I was, I was like, Oh, this is I don't feel I gotta shut this off for now. <laughs> Are you the biggest fan of ghost stories? Is that what you're most drawn to? I think that that's something I'm I'm still exploring, because that's what scared me most was the supernatural, like ghosts, possession, demons, things like that. So I think I'm now morbidly fascinated with it and trying to push myself and see how much I can take. Have you ever seen a ghost? <laughs> no. Um, I almost want to, to get it over with. <laughs> Cause you feel like it's inevitable. Uh, I mean, kind. <laughs> I mean, I, I do believe in them. Like just cause it's one of those things. I think it's, it's fun to believe in the supernatural, but it's also scary. Like I just, I love thinking about, you know, like aliens, fairies, like whatever. I just think it makes life more interesting to believe in those things. So I'm just kind of like, you know, if I see something supernatural, I I would definitely be more okay with it now. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of want to just like rip off the band-aid and be like, okay, it's there. I know it's there now. <laughs> Except it's like my dilemma with Bigfoot is I feel like I want it too bad. I just want to see a Bigfoot, but it's not going to happen because <laughs> I want it way too much. Because Bigfoot knows now and they're like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. No, it only shows up. They show up when they can fuck with your... Sense of reality. So if you yeah. want it, if you expect it, they're not going to show up. You, th- you think Bigfoot's that intelligent, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. Bigfoot <laughs> is highly intelligent. It's true. At least, at least emotionally intelligent. I hear he's an interdimensional traveler, actually. That oh, really? One, that is, is one theory. Me. They didn't talk about that on Sasquatch. No, they didn't, did they? <laughs> so, okay. So if you had to choose between... A movie with monsters, a movie with ghosts, or a movie with like a killer, like a slasher, which will you pick up if you have to pick sort of a genre? That's, that is tough. I'm going to probably say monsters because I'm thinking like a lot of cool makeup effects. Sweet. Especially because I don't know if you know this about me, but I love B movies and just like 
terrible schlocky movies. <laughs> I rarely watch things that are like actually good, like popular movies. <laughs> I watch really weird shit. Um, and I, I love seeing, you know, the special effects that were done, you know, before we had more technology or special effects that were done on lower budgets. It's just so interesting to see what people come up with. Yeah, the creativity involved when it's not just like, not that it doesn't take skill to do things on a computer, but it's a different mm -hmm. kind of skill set. And it's it's definitely uh, more interesting. I yeah. agree. And that's Jer that's really Jeremy's aesthetic. You're speaking to my, all of my interests, which are just old <laughs> monster movies. That's where it all started for me was old monster movies. And I've been obsessed with that stuff since I was like a toddler. So. Are you wow. a trauma fan? Have you watched a lot of trauma things? I feel like yes. that's one of the posts you commented on. Yes. Um, so I was going through this thing when I was maybe like 19 and I was like, I want to watch the weirdest movies that were ever made. And so <laughs> I started looking online for like top 10 weirdest movie lists. And what came up on one was Tromeo and Juliet. And I was like, mm -hmm. cool. I love theater. I love Shakespeare. <laughs> I love weird movies. Let's do this. And um, yeah, now I've seen popcorns and rats come out of a pregnant woman if oh that, wow if that's your first trauma movie too that's a doozy yeah because that one is <laughs> that's peak trauma so the three we've talked about on here or the four we've done toxic avenger yeah Newcom high, high return to Newcom high and, and mother's, mother's day, day. Have you seen those four? I feel like you saw Toxic Avenger, right? I feel like that's the one you commented on. Um, no, I, I actually didn't see Toxic Avenger yet. Um, I have seen Newcomb High, just the first one. Okay. Okay. Not you haven't seen Mother's Day. But tomorrow's Mother's Day, so maybe I'll watch it tomorrow. You yeah, you probably should check it out. It's great. Did you like class or wait, what's it called? Class of Newcomb High? Class of Newcomb High. Yeah, I did like it. I, I thought it was great. It had, you know, some of the great makeup effects that we were referring to before. Everyone had like a really cool look. And yeah, I mean the script is of course really campy and I love that. <laughs> You've got to see Toxic Avenger. It is like the granddaddy of all of them. Yeah, I mean, it's... I've only seen four, but it is just he's, brilliant. He's their mascot for a reason. Yeah. Toxie rules. <laughs> what are some other favorite like B movies, like really bad ones? So I, I'm really into a couple directors specifically. Um, one is Neil Breen. Um, he's not horror movie director, but he makes some amazing bad films. So like yeah. what are some of them? There's one I am here now and he uses a lot of the same uh, like material in his movies, so it's honestly hard to tell one from the next. But okay. um, he's like kind of an outsider artist, right? Like he's sort of like just some dude making movies, and he's totally removed. Kind of yeah. a Tommy Wiseau type. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Except I do hear that he treats his actors better on set, which is nice and pays them well. So. Tommy Wiseau, like the room. Yes, the room. Yeah. Okay, dude. Oh, does yep. he supposedly treat his people really bad? Is that the, the uh, story? I mean, if you've seen uh, the Disaster Artist, like that's okay. Yeah, that I mean, that gives a lot of insight into like how th what things were like on set with him. He the book as well is really good. Yeah, I haven't read that, but the I mean, the Disaster Artist is based on the book, so I'm sure there's yeah. a lot more in the book. He was just totally unhinged. <laughs> He's totally out of his mind. So. Totally disconnected from like, like not just not empathetic at all. Mm -hmm. Just not not treating people well. Um, Neil Breen though, like yeah, he he you know feeds his actors on set. He pays them. Um, despite his movies kind of being weird and creepy in parts. Um, 
and then also Stephen Grew is another director. Um, last name is G R O O. Um, and he did like the first movie I saw from him was this vampire movie called A New Breed. And it looked like it was filmed like in the 80s on someone's home video camera. Yes. Like at some local community college. It, it's really astounding. And, and you don't you have no idea what's going on in the plot. Like there's just stuff where it's like, how did we get here? What's going on? Who's that person? Like, it's just completely outrageous. <laughs> I love that. So looking at your IMDb page, there are a few other things that look like they could be horror or horror adjacent. Like there's a thing called okay. Blood Angel. Uh-huh. What's okay. that? <laughs> it's like almost a decade old, but yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Blood Angel. Um, <laughs> that was my film debut and it was directed and I think written by a, a person I knew from local theater. And um, I was playing the lead girl's mom and I was 18. Wow. Which is fine, I guess, because I was a vampire. So <laughs> that whole... <laughs> That whole ageless thing, but sure. <laughs> but then, like the guy they had playing my husband was like fifty, so it looked very child bride. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you were a vampire. Yeah, I mean, it was it okay. was honestly it was pretty badass, and it was a great you know thing to start off with as far as film acting. And I mean, this this kid was like really young, and what he did, like the fact that he and like his friends were able to pull together like a feature length film, is astounding. And what about The Call of the Void? Yes, that is a podcast that um, their second oh. season actually just finished their, uh, they just, their finale of the second season just premiered on Thursday. And oh, okay. um, yeah, that's a couple friends. Um, it's very like H.P. Lovecraft. Um, it's kind of like H.P. Lovecraft meets Stranger Things. It like it takes place in New Orleans and there's kind of this force that's causing people to, you know, either freak out or get injured or or die. And they're trying to figure out like what this is and what caused it and like trying to get to the bottom of it. And um, I play the main character's uh, former love interest, former girlfriend. Um, and they just kind of like reconnect for a second while he's trying to figure out what happened to um, my brother who passed away from this strange force. So he's like doing some detective work. How is podcast acting different than stage or screen, like normal, a normal film? Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not one of those voice actors that uses like their whole body. I think I'm very like reserved. Like I, I don't like to expend energy when I don't have to, <laughs> I suppose. Um, so it's a lot more chill. But you come in, do you record your things individually or are you there with the other actors? Like, is it like animation in that regard or are you together in a room? So I was only in a couple episodes. So we did all my recordings in one session. And Josie and Michael are actually married. Who They made the podcast. They're the two main characters. Okay. So they, you know, they live together and it's, it's you know, a pandemic. So they were trying to get as few people at one time as possible to record. So um, it, they were already there. And then I just came over there and um, recorded my part. And then that was it. Are they from the Detroit area? Yeah, yeah. They do a lot of work with Joe, actually, with Penny Seats and Roustabout Theater. Cool. And you're supposed to be doing another show with Josie this summer, aren't you? But it's like not horror at all. Isn't it a musical? 
Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, that's going to be with Penny Seats in Ann Arbor. Uh, it's called Summer of Love. The show dates are, I mean, you know, anything could still happen at this point. I'm I'm not going to try and get too hopeful, unfortunately, but it would be really cool to be able to do it. It's, um, it's a jukebox musical of like 60s songs. So just like kind of hippie love fest situation. Yeah, we recently gushed about you. Um, I did a reading with him, uh, like a virtual reading, not too terribly long ago. And he was talking about how he was really hopeful because it, it was already supposed to happen, right? It's been postponed already like once. Yeah, it was supposed to be last summer. Right. And he mentioned you were in it. And we talked about how great your voice is and just how wonderful you are. You're like a punk Disney princess. And I just like, that is like one of the coolest things ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thanks. That. That's funny. I actually used to do kids parties as Disney princesses. <laughs> and who would you play? So I have tattoos. So the costumes were, I couldn't wear a lot of the costumes. Um, so I was mostly the long sleeve princesses like Merida or Rapunzel. Okay. Are you a fan of like the darker fairy tales? Like, uh, like, did you watch Once Upon a Time? Is that what that show is called? Oh, no, I, I didn't watch that show. Um, but I do love dark fairy tales. I mean, that's yeah, that's definitely up my alley. Did you used to watch that Shelley Duvall show? What is it, Fairy Tale Theater? Oh no, I didn't used to watch it. I think that was a little bit before me, but um, I, I've seen a couple episodes in my adult years, and they're just uh, Shelley Duvall is is just so sweet. I love her. She is. She's so great. She's she's something else. And I mean, that show was so bizarre. Those compilations of her saying "Hello, I'm Shelley Duvall" though are yes. fantastic. Yes, yeah. I've seen those. There was also another TV show not too terribly long ago. It was like, let's tell a story or something. It was less like Once Upon a Time was like uh, all these universes combining and like full tales being told throughout the season. But there was another one that was like really dark versions of fairy tales. But I think it was like an episode. I just remember the first one was like the three little pigs, but they were like bank robbers. They weren't like pigs, but it was like that story being told. Oh. But yeah, I, I like the idea of a dark fairy tale. I just don't think it's generally very successful. Um, yeah, I guess there's there is maybe an element of like, like, you know, this is for kids where the material maybe doesn't do as well with adult audiences. But I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you're relatively new to to the actually enjoying horror movies, mm -hmm. like have you gone out of your way to visit? Essentially, what are your all your favorites so far that you've seen? Like, have you been visiting a lot of the classics, the so-called you know greats, or do you have your own like alternative list of <laughs> what you're what you you've seen and loved? Yeah, uh, I actually was asking for a lot of recommendations when I was first starting out, you know, testing the waters, and. Um, I actually, I made a list of some of the first ones that I watched that I really loved. Um, I think one of the first ones was uh, The Witch. Oh, Robert Eggers. We were just talking um, about that. Yeah. What is that actress? Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, mm -hmm. She was, so yeah, good. she was amazing. So I loved The Witch. I loved that one. Um, and then I also loved, okay, this one was super scary, but it was amazing. The Taking of Deborah Logan. We watched that. <laughs> we covered show, that. Yeah. yeah, we did yeah. that one. Yeah I, yeah, I saw that you guys did. I, and that was terrifying i made it through though so still standing <laughs> well the ending the the ending's the best part of that movie. yeah when like, she's like swallowing that kid's head <laughs> you you mean yeah. the worst part <laughs> oh come on it's the best part it's the <laughs> best part 
<laughs> what are some uh, more? Rosemary's Baby, Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> mm. oh, I okay. just, good, good, it good. finally came back in stock. There is a Sleepaway Camp light switch. With which is that a painting or you know a drawing because it's a light switch of the very end with her mm-hmm. standing there holding like and it the light switch is in a very appropriate oh <laughs> my god and it's been out of stock for a very long time and I just happened to look the other day it was in stock I'm like purchase purchase what <laughs> it, that seems like one of those things you would have in the bathroom as like weird bathroom art that when you visit people's houses and they have stuff like that so you it's know. true I think it will be my bedroom but yes. <laughs> Right, probably the normal person would put it in their bathroom. Did you know the ending? Did you know the 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 surprise? No, twist? I didn't. Oh, okay. There, I mean, it, yeah. There, I mean, there's been stuff where it's like, you know, it's movies that everyone has seen, and you just assume that people just, even if they haven't seen it, they know the twist or they know the ending. But like, since I had tried to distance myself from all that, I was, you know, still out of the loop on some of the even spoilers, like common spoilers. So. This is all brand new territory. I also watched Midsummer. Mm. Um, she is yes. so good. Talk about another like, amazing contemporary actress. Florence you, Pugh is. Divine. You can't say too much though, because I've not seen it yet. <laughs> oh. so it's, it's on the list. It is. Okay. It's long. That's the only reason I sort of have held off from giving it, assigning it to Jeremy to watch because we often talk about like, oh, this movie's so long. But and I, I avoided watching it too because I know it's on the list, so I want that episode <laughs> to happen where I finally. Yeah, watch you want to make it special. I get it. Mm-hmm. What about Hereditary? Speaking of Midsummer, I haven't seen Hereditary, but that is on my list of things that I want to watch. It's so good. I can't so, wait to know what you so think good. of it. It's so good, but it is, it's hardcore. It's intense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But like the acting is so good. Like, I mean, just Tony Collette is just divine. Oh my gosh. I'm excited. Yeah. That's definitely n- next on my list for sure. And then a couple of my favorites were uh, Jennifer's Body. Okay. And also Us. Mm. And then what about Get Out? Did you prefer Us over Get Out? Oh, you know what? I did actually see Get Out before I was into horror movies. That I mean, that one's obviously disturbing. I, I did okay, but gosh, I don't know. It, it was a while since I've seen Get Out, so I think I would have to watch it again to really be able to care. But they were mm-hmm. both just stunning, really like deeply mortifying films. Yes. I think social horror, is that the term that's been thrown around with those movies? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, and I, social. Yeah, I love that. I love that genre, I guess, that subgenre, if you will. And, yes. And I'm really excited that we're seeing um, more Black leads and leads of color in horror movies lately. I think that's amazing. Yes. Finally, finally addressing the old trope of, you know, the Black guy oh, dies God. first, which was for so long the... Uh, the cliche. So I'm glad it's finally we're aware of it and yeah, dealing with it. Yeah, I hope it continues yeah. exponentially. So traditionally on this show, Jeremy and I assign to one another a movie that the other person has not seen, and we watch them and we come back. But when we have guests on, we like the guests to pick the movies that we watch. So I've given you that assignment, and I. I may be aware or not aware of what these movies are, but Jeremy has no idea. And I believe Jeremy to have not seen either of them. So mm. why don't you go ahead and tell us what you've picked, Allison? Okay. So you guys will be watching A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night mm-hmm. and Knife Plus Heart. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, have you seen either of those? Uh, no, I haven't. 
That is so exciting. Them, I am aware of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night because I remember it came out a few years ago. Should I even should I even talk? Do you know about it? Should I? I've not seen either of them, but yeah, let's talk about what we know of them. And then when we come back after watching them, we can we'll sort of see where we're we're right sure. and where we're not. So I know A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is a vampire movie. Uh, and I know that it's Iranian, I believe, Iranian. So that was like a big deal when it, you know, it's from a unseen part of the horror world, if you will, or something from a country you're not used to seeing horror movies from. And I know it's in black and white. Like, I think that that it's not real lavish in its production value. And, yeah. and just like, like, I feel like it's more of a subdued sort of film, which I'm excited about. Is there anything else that you can think of, Jeremy? I know this is one of those movies you would use the phrase indie darling to describe because it was, you know, in the indie scene and it came out, hit all the film festivals and a lot of critics that were like outside of just your normal horror people were like talking it up and how it's a great movie. So I know this one made a splash in like the larger film world. And I feel like there's only going to be a few people in it like i don't think it's a big cast i think it's minimal in many ways i think there's going to be only a few actors minimal locations like i i mean i think a girl walks home at night <laughs> i could see images of like a street and you know someone walk, like street lights at night like i like i mean along with the title that's what i kind of remember wouldn't it be great if it was entirely a metaphorical title and she never walks <laughs> she never walks anywhere and it's all set during the day <laughs> and in my mind i imagine it to be short but i i guess we'll see i i feel like it's not a, a real long movie but I've been wrong about that before. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Nosferatu. Yep. Not that it's long, but I thought it was going to be like an hour long. It was probably like a half hour longer than you thought it was. So That's true. I think it's going to be less scary and more... Um, I feel like it's going to be more of a drama, but have some horror elements to it. And I mean, I might as well say it. I think hilarity ensues on her <laughs> <laughs> adventures no. walking home. <laughs> All right. Now, what about Knife Plus Heart, Jeremy? Do you know anything? Never heard of it. I have no freaking clue. I think it's on Shudder, so I think you're in luck there. Um, do you have Shudder, Allison? Uh, no. I, I think I had like a trial subscription, and that's when I was like, okay, give me horror movies, guys. Come on. What do I watch? <laughs> but I don't <laughs> have amazing. it currently. So I know it's like a giallo movie. Like, I think that there's it's it's a contemporary giallo. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think that there's something to do with filmmaking. Like there's a making of a movie. I feel like there's a woman who's the lead. And I think that there's like gay actors getting killed. There's some gay plot line to it. And and I think that, you know, because it's a giallo, I think that the, there's probably a killer with, you know, a black coat or black gloves, you know, and and something like that. There's a film set and and actors are dying. Maybe it's gay porn. I know that there's a gay aspect to it um, and that there's a female lead. And I, I'm really excited to watch it because it's been like one of those things where I'm like, oh, I got to watch that. And then I just keep forgetting about it. So, so yeah, I think um, I know that you you recently reviewed a giallo, but I think this one does subvert some of the tropes that we're used to seeing with those. Um, so I'm really excited to see if y'all get surprised. <laughs> Cool. Now, have you seen, uh, is that a genre that you're familiar with? Um, no, but like I have looked into some of the films and it seems like there is like a, an expected 
like way that things go, like they all have kind of these elements. Um, and, and so I'm like, okay, I see. It's a very rigid formula. And, and yeah, that's, that's what I understand, but I, I haven't actually seen any other ones. I was actually surprised mm. when I was like, oh, knife plus heart is considered a giallo. Okay. Because it's, it does seem, you know, it is more modern and it does seem like it is way more um, unexpected than that formula. Cool. Well, I'm so jazzed to watch both of them. Mm -hmm. But all right, well, we'll let's watch these and we'll come back and talk about them. Awesome. Have fun. <laughs> Here we go. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And we are back from the void. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're here again to talk about these motherfucking movies. Uh, yeah, we motherfucking are. Allison, thank you. Uh, it was so fun to watch two movies I haven't seen before. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you guys think about them. And I just rewatched them as well. So we can have some cool. discussions. So Jeremy, kick us off. What are we talking about first? All right. We are going with A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, uh, which is a mouthful every time I have to say this title to somebody. Sorry. <laughs> and the description is, in the Iranian ghost town Bad City, a place that reeks of death and loneliness, the townspeople are unaware they are being stalked by a lonesome vampire. That's pretty much it. What did you think, Jeremy? I thought this was really good. This movie, like, I, I <laughs> uh, what, what, what the fuck is that song? Uh, uh, what's his name? Isaac, uh, Wicked Game. Like, I really wanted to strip oh. audio out and put that song over it because I, that's the song I heard in my head over this movie. But yeah, it, it, uh, you know, it's that like, it's that goth kid romantic, like, story. But also, I guess in, uh, I actually didn't look up what language this is. Is that? Farsi? It's um uh Persian. Persian, okay. I Persian. think that I'm not sure if that's the same thing. Oof. But it's but that word you Persian. just said, Jeremy. I watched an interview with the director and the lead actress, and they do say that word, Farsi or Farsi. Farsi. Okay. Yeah, they do say that word. So I'm not sure if they are one and the same, but that word did come up a couple of times. But yeah, I totally thought this as well was a uh I thought this was like I didn't realize it was made in America. Like yeah, all the talk of it is, yeah, it was okay. made in California. I mean, it's supposed to be set in Iran and all that, mm -hmm. but clearly I'm mm -hmm. assuming certain, you know, current political climates would have barred this from being produced over there. Um, um, the director grew up in California as well. So that mm. was probably, that probably came naturally yeah, to sure. her. Yeah. And it, it it is such a good companion piece to let the right one in. Like they both yes. have such a very cool, similar vibe, but not like a ripoff of one another. Like they're very different, but similar themes and vibes that they're like both dr dramas with these vampire elements woven in. And both of them sort of are, they're both love stories. And I mm -hmm. just, I was so in love with this movie. I thought it was so beautiful in all ways. I thought visually it was just a feast on the eyes and its simplicity and it's black and white. It was so crisp and just, just wanted to eat it up. <laughs> yeah, I was reading that she used 
the original Nosferatu and then like Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns as a template because I mean this movie's clearly a western like that's just all over a, a, like a neo western is all over the blueprints of this movie but she had those reference points Sergio Leone and Nosferatu which like I didn't get either of those like I didn't feel either of those <laughs> influences coming through in this movie what I saw was near dark uh, if it was directed by David Lynch, like that's what I would say <laughs> this movie is because it's like vampire Western. Okay. Near dark check. Uh, and then it's got all these, the black and white photography and these weirdo lonely characters in like a desolate industrial setting. I was like, okay, eraser head. Like you melt those two together and, and you get this and it works amazingly. That lead gal was so good. Her and that lead guy, they were both so beautiful. It's so weird. When I first saw publicity photos for this movie, I thought Emma Roberts was in it. Like <laughs> the publicity photos, she looked so much like her. But watching this, I remembered that. And never once did I think she looked like Emma Roberts. So it must have just been some like whatever publicity picture they were using a lot for it. Because I thought, oh, that new Emma Roberts movie looks interesting. It's in black and white. And she doesn't look uh -huh. anything like her. Oh, yeah, I don't know, maybe just from like a certain angle. I'm not sure, but. In the interview I watched, yeah. they talk about how she's 187 years old. <laughs> they really had oh. ever, like the director was just like, has never had anything fleshed out as much as she had this movie fleshed out. Like she knew everyone's story in and out. And it really shows. I mean, just every character is very realized, no matter how little they're on screen. and just i thought was so good i there's just so many things you can analyze and that they don't really spell it all out for you and that's like my favorite thing in the world so i just thought it was um, really really good i'm so glad that you guys enjoyed it um because yeah i i thought the same thing i mean it was it was very like it really let you stew in every shot like you it you kind of got to sit there and until you felt exactly what was going on on screen like in your core and i think they did that so well with like black and white the minimalist effect of that um very little dialogue um they really let you focus on the emotional through line which i thought was really cool and um jeremy you were talking about influences from other horror films there were like a couple shots in there from they had like um some taxidermy that reminded me of psycho um mm. they had um this lamppost shot that reminded me of the exorcist oh yeah um they had a couple shots where like the light was just framing the eyes a la bella lugosi and dracula mm -hmm. there was just so some like really like in your face homages to classic horror, which I thought were so cool. And, but it all came together to make this completely new sort of thing. I'd never seen a movie like this before. Yeah. I also thought of cat people. I thought mm. of yes. cat people when <laughs> she, there was like the, the not really chase, but sort of chase between the two ladies. Mm -hmm. I felt like that, that bus scene, the famous bus scene from cat people. Yeah. I feel like both, Actually, both movies we watched, so we'll get into it more with the next one. But I felt like both of them were just a constant, like, the, the, the recipe, the components were all things I've seen before, but they were thrown together in a way that made something entirely new uh, mm -hmm. and worthwhile to watch. So 
uh, I think that's the through line for both movies, honestly, right there. I agree. Is, <laughs> yeah. And it is one of the things I love the most because there's been so many stories told. It's it's really hard to do something 100% original, but it, it's always possible to do put your own take on it, to put your own fingerprint on a project. And so many people fail to do that. But you're right here that that is fully realized and done so, so well. And I love that so much. Like there are so many times where in any other movie, I feel it would have gone the typical way. Like when he gave her those earrings, first of all, I thought that it was all going to come around that he was going to get in trouble for taking the earrings. And that never comes up. And also, mm -hmm. I thought for sure that girl that he took the earrings from was going to see the earrings on her and it was going to become an issue. Mm -hmm. And it just was. He gave her the earrings. He pierced her ears. And that was it. It was just this beautiful thing where he gave her these stolen earrings and it didn't become yeah. a thing. Like, you know, like it would have any other film. It would have been that girl would have seen them and be like, where did you get those earrings? And, and nope, it didn't. Right. I, I also another part that kind of like subverted expectations was when the vampire first brings Arash back to her apartment after she like meets him on the street after that party and she like brings him back and they just have this like really sweet moment. They're listening to music in her apartment and you totally think like her instincts are going to kick in and she's just going to go for his neck, but they just have this really adorable embrace and it's so lovely. That scene is amazing. Like you were talking about how they take their time with some of these scenes and that scene in particular, it was just that long of him walking over to her and her turning around. And it's just this long, gorgeous shot with that music. Like the music was so good. Yeah. Loved the music and just all different styles. It was just so good. I, I was, I, I kept thinking about uh, the guest actually. Uh, mm. with the music selection of this movie because I, it felt similar to In the Guest, which also had this really good soundtrack, but it was made up of like pre-existing songs. Like it wasn't original, you know, compositions for the movie. And both of the, you know, this movie as well, they just picked the perfect music that just seems like it should have been made for this movie because it fits it so well. But uh, she really, well, actually, I don't know if she did the, you know, music selection, but if she did, she made really good choices on um, what fit. And I wonder if she had had the songs in mind and was cutting the movie to the music or, but it just works so flawlessly. There's a great interview with the director and the lead actress that they did with Vice. It's like about a half an hour long. You can watch it on YouTube and it's just so delightful and like just so interesting. And she does talk about how she had everything mapped out, like the music mm -hmm. and everything. You know, that's what she she really talks about. She also talks about how she met Margaret Atwood and asked her if she could use her for that Madonna poster. Mm. So that poster is Margaret Atwood's face as Madonna. Oh <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and the pimp is based on the lead singer Ninja from D. D Antwood. Yeah. yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, I got that. The haircut. Yeah. As soon as yeah. I saw him with the weird tattoos and the haircut, I was like, that's. This is a ripoff of Ninja's look, clearly. He had such a downfall, too. Like, he got, he was just so, like, pathetic when he was trying to seduce the the girl. Like, oh, my gosh, that was hilarious to me. He's like. So funny. Let me just, like, does this impress you? Let me count my money and do some coke and do a sexy little dance. And she's uh -huh. like, nah, I'm going to eat your finger. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that. 
I saw a review on Letterboxd that said, uh, so she kills a dude and then steals his CDs, legend. Uh, and I was like, that's exactly what I thought in that moment when she was just like, Zoop, and takes some CDs and walks out. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, she was so badass. When she stole that skateboard, I was like, please ride the skateboard. Please ride the skateboard. And then she mm -hmm. did. And that was yes. actually the director rides a skateboard. So lots of those shots were the director riding the skateboard. Oh, cool. The so the director was her stunt double is what you're saying? Apparently, yes. Wow. I guess they were, I can't remember now, and I should have written it down. That Oh, that what she's wearing? Thing. Yeah, what um, she's wearing. It's has a chador. Thank you. She saw, she was out somewhere and she saw someone wearing one of those and she just was like, that's my movie. Like that, mm. like, she's like, it's almost like a, like a bat. Like she just like the, the look of it, it just sort of all sort of fell into place. Cause there's a short film of this, um, which I couldn't immediately find on YouTube. I, I kind of fell into this vice interview, so I didn't look too hard for it. And she wanted the actress who's in this film for it, but she was doing that Broadway play with Robin Williams, uh, something Bengal Tiger. So she wasn't available, but when they came around to making the full feature, she was, she, she snagged her up. Wow. You know, this is a movie too, just cause that image of, uh, of the girl, uh, and it's on that, you know, minimalist poster, that amazing movie poster this has, but like just the imagery throughout this movie and, and actually again with the second movie, uh, we're going to talk about, like, I could see these at like, you know, you're at goth night at the club somewhere. And like, these would just be on the TV screens, like <laughs> playing, like, because that's just the imagery in here. It's so striking. And so that it's immediately where I went to, I was like, this is so like the teen goth like angsty uh romanticism but just realized so well so beautifully visually i don't know why mm -hmm. i have an aversion to vampires because so often when i watch vampire movies and things i end up loving them but i'm mm -hmm. not immediately drawn to them like i watch them sort of out of necessity because you assign them to me or yeah. like Joe got me Buffy the Vampire Slayer once for Christmas, like the entire like series. And I, I didn't remember ever expressing interest in watching it, but I was uh -huh. like, well, this is kind of an expensive box set. I better watch it. And then <laughs> I got sucked into it and I'm actually just started rewatching it this week. So it all sort of like vampires are on my mind. Yeah. I remember you liking near dark. So love near dark and let the right one in. I love it, but I just, I'm not like if I hear about a vampire movie. I'm like, okay, like, no, no, putting it on my list and hoping to look forward to watching it. But whenever I do, I usually almost always love them. So I need to get over that. I feel that same way about Doritos for some reason. <laughs> How so? Just like, I never want to eat them, but like when I'm eating them, I'm like, these are amazing. Why don't I eat them all the time? See, so I have the opposite feeling, which is I always want to eat Doritos. And then when I'm <laughs> eating them, I'm like, I should eat these more. And then my wife says, stop eating so many Doritos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Allison, did you watch this recently? Is this a, a recent film that you saw or did you watch it a long time ago? Um, so I started to watch it when it first came out and I was watching it with a friend and then they had to go for some reason. So we just never finished it. Mm. And um, then I was looking for a second film because I had already chosen Knife Plus Heart and I was looking for a second film. And I was like, I'd be really great to like showcase a woman, a, fe a female director. Um, and so 
when I, I was like looking up lists of like, you know, top horror films from women directors and this was on it. And I was like, oh gosh, I should, I should finish that. That looked amazing. And I, I want to, you know, continue and see what, what happens. And I'm so glad I did. Me too. Cause it is so good. I really love it so very much. If you read the the IMDb trivia, you know this, but the cat wasn't originally in the script, but she like met this cat and was impressed by its skills and it's like how it took direction. So it's she like, put the cat in, which is so means. crazy. I know it's like, but it seems like such an important part of the story. So it's just so weird that it wasn't always a part of the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I was, I would die for that cat, by the way. I would <laughs> I would die for almost any cat, but that cat in particular, because I can see the appeal. That cat was did an extremely good job. And also, like whenever I see, I mean, you you guys know, whenever you see an animal in a horror film, you're like, oh my God, please don't kill it. That's mm -hmm. I I was in constant terror that they were gonna kill the cat. And I was like, yeah. no. From the moment Saeed picked that cat up, the drug dealer, when he picked that cat up in the apartment, uh -huh. I was like, do not touch that cat you put that cat down right now <laughs> yeah. and the cat ended up being such like a good through line for the whole story and even in the final shot like it's sitting right between the two of them just balancing everything so well i would argue this cat uh i, I think i love this movie cat almost as much as i love jonesy from the original alien you know mm. the ultimate like horror movie oh. cat so <laughs> so can we talk about the ending for a second so if you're gonna watch this you know fast forward just a little bit so he totally knows what's going on with her right like i i feel like yeah he's gotta or at least he knows that what she did to his dad like he's got to know that because of the cat right but i don't think there's been yeah. enough evidence for him to know that she's a vampire no i didn't think i just assumed that he realized she killed his dad uh, and is maybe like putting together, like when she said, I've done terrible things, like she's probably killing people, but he doesn't care. But that's where it differs from let the right one in. He totally knows what she is by the time they decide to like be a little couple and like m live their lives together and they leave and they're on that train and they belong to each other in a sense. And here it's a very similar ending and there's that moment when he gets out of the car and I think it's that like battle of like, do I, I know what she's capable of. I know kind of who she is, even if he doesn't really know. And it's that moment of like, do I continue on or do I say like, no, I can't deal with this. And him getting back in the car is like, no, I'm okay with it. I love her. I'm going to be with her. Do you take it similarly? That's how I read it. Yeah. And I almost wonder if maybe he was like so ready for a new beginning that i mean even though he knows that she had something to do with his father's death maybe he's like you know what i think like a fresh start is good like and he he was i mean he was aware like his dad's quality of life was was not great so and and it was it was stressful for both of them i mean not saying that like you know him dying was like a great thing but it happened and he's maybe like okay i'm ready to start fresh and now and there's this girl so let's go and they're just all the scenes with her walking home alone at night like all the, the scene with the little boy the scene with who was it not the dad the scene where like she was like mirroring the old man it wasn't the dad was it it was someone yeah it was the, no it was the dad in that it scene. was the dad okay yeah he was out was smoking like, a cigarette and walking around 
that mirroring scene and then the yeah. scene when she meets Arash Arash and just all of those scenes were so beautiful like I just like every time they happen I wrote it down I'm like oh my god the scene with the little boy oh my god the scene with the mirroring the old man like they were just so well done like I just love them yeah. it's just a beautiful film Mm -hmm. absolutely that scene with the little boy i i wrote down some stuff on that too because i mean that's when she gets the skateboard which is wonderful um she like steals the skateboard from that little boy right <laughs> just how she confronts him i'm like does she do this often to like does she do this to a lot of young men does she do this to keep them from being like shitty older men like scaring them into submission <laughs> yeah i love that that she's like being proactive and then later you see that she like only seems to take out baddies like she doesn't hurt the woman you know she 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 gets her and she's like uh, like on her side which is also why she kills the dad because of her sticking up for that woman essentially right yeah that's what it seemed like um that's what it seemed like her motive was it's just so good I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, uh, I guess let's uh, let's get to some ratings here. So I'm going to say out of five vampires on a skateboard, how many uh, do we all give it, Brandy Joe? I give it four and a half vampires on a skateboard. Ooh, good. That's exactly what I'm going to give it to, four and a half. What about you, Allison? I don't know. I... I'm wondering why why the deducting of a half. Um, I was just gonna go full out and say like five vampires on a skateboard. Oh, you can it. do you it. You can. I, I mean, I'd watch it over and over again because, like, I mean, I've seen it full like fully twice now, and th there's just new new feasts for the eyes every time. So for me, I just I don't know. Have I given anything a five? Like to be have an absolute perfect rating is not something that i i think i i don't think i've done but i don't know i can't remember but it's i mean just that's like, fair there's always room for improvement i suppose and everything right. and that's i just right. like to be part of the crowd so <laughs> <laughs> liar no i i mean i think of th this is a movie where i think i will revisit it uh and then we'll see if it has the same impact or not and then maybe that half star will creep up so maybe it will reach a five one day but uh, that's where I was feeling four and a half strongly. So yeah, y'all are entitled to your, your subtracting a half. I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a bona fide scare of approval. Scare right of there. approval. Everybody watch that's this. Right. Yay. <laughs> <Woo> <laughs> yes. All right. Let's move on to knife plus heart. And the letterbox summary is in the summer of 1979, gay porn producer Anne sets out to film her most ambitious film yet, but her actors are picked off one by one by a mysterious killer. Ooh. Jeremy, what'd you think? Uh, I really liked this. This, like, from queuing it up, like, of course, you know, I found it on uh, Amazon Prime or, you know, wherever I watch. I can't remember if this is on Prime or if this is through one of the channels that I subscribe to on Prime, but it was on there, so that's how I watched it. But of course, I quickly saw the blurb that was attached to it, and then I was like, I have no idea like how this movie is gonna feel like watching this. Like, how, how where is this gonna go? It sounds crazy from the description. So I turn it on, and I was just immediately blown away by the first murder scene right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was about it, but like the visuals. It, this is just full disclosure. This is a movie that like I didn't 
really like care about the plot like <laughs> as the plot unfolded you know it just kind of because it went weird directions it got kind of wonky and sometimes i was not really following what was going on but that didn't matter and i wasn't even really that invested in like any of the characters like you know they were decent enough but i was more just engrossed by the visuals like the color palette in this movie uh really the design of the killer like that was aw- the kill scenes are all so beautiful every murder scene is like a work of art in this uh it was just crazy to watch so and so creepy the killer was so scary and the sounds he would make so just- cool uh! yeah i think um you can definitely like the killer seems like I think you can see the killer's humanity before the story even starts to unfold in that, like the sounds that they make and like the, their the way they carry themselves, which almost makes it more more creepy. Yeah. And I agree. Like plot wise, it does some weird things. And like the reveal of the killer at the end, I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. And it's really weird. Mm-hmm. But like that didn't make or break it for me because everything else leading up to it like visually it was so cool it was very much uh, uh you could tell a throwback to like typical giallo movies like the color scheme was so dead on and lots like the killer with the the gloves and you know just so many elements of it really felt very much of its time it was a little like brian de palma i felt yeah and, yeah, it just had some like really cool throwback feels. And the music, again, like the other film, the music was so good. The soundtrack was by the band M83. So it was done specifically for this movie. Yeah, I love M83. So yeah. I was like, that's, uh, I was, I was listening to it and I was like, this is really cool. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, of course, the French, you know, they're a French electronic project. So of course, they're perfect for this. Do you guys know of the, I, I don't think he killed anybody, but he was like a serial rapist. The Beast of Jersey. Do you know of this story? It was like over in England. And I want to say like the 80s or the 70s. But there was this guy who kept raping these women as they were like waiting for like a bus. And then he started to break into people's houses and he would like take like little boys or sometimes like a mom and her daughter and he would like take them out of their house like wake them up in the middle of the night with like a flashlight in their face and then take them out of their house and like rape them and then bring them back to their house and put them back in their bedroom but when they finally caught this guy he had this creepy mask and this creepy crazy wig and he had these like bracelets with like pokey things on them and a jacket that had these like little like pins on it as well because these people kept getting found with like scratch marks like the victims Uh. and if you look it up the mask is so scary it almost looks like a british leather face but it i kept getting flashes when you'd see this killer's mask although it was like a fetish leather mask Mm -hmm. but it reminded me of the beast of jersey so you have to look this up it is so scary oh that's horrifying and he yeah like little boys and women were like his ammo but like he never i don't think he ever killed them but like traumatized the fuck out of these people for like years and years and years so you gotta look it up yeah (laughs) i wonder if that is an influence at all on uh the design because that sounds like remarkably close for it it to not to not have been something they looked at and like huh maybe that will work for this um i know in the past i have We've watched French movies before, and I have 
ragged on our French friends and their film, <laughs> their film aesthetic a little bit. But this was another movie that like when the um, when the movie director, everybody's names are escaping me, the characters, but the director of the movies was talking to the editor. Of course, they were lovers at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're having that conversation and just the dialogue where it's the kind of stuff where she's like, I just want to feel your tears again. And she's like, no, you can never say these things to me anymore. It's over. And I'm like, this couldn't be any more French right now. Like, this yeah, is like, I also me, had that thought while watching it for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you ask me like, Jeremy, write some dialogue that you would expect to hear in like any French art film. I would like write a bunch of stuff like, you know, there's it. What she goes, it's shadows and blood and death. And I'm like, yes, this is so French. <laughs> when, uh, Anne is talking about she's in like the the detective's office or the she's in the 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 office like telling them about the the fellow who, who the first fellow who gets killed and they were like oh so tell me about him and she was like he had this veracity while he was on set he was insatiable or whatever like insatiable like she was just so like completely romantic it's like you you direct kind of like B grade gay porn like she she was just like so romantic about the whole thing i'm like yeah that's that's super french <laughs> yeah it's just the entire thing because like there's a lot of moments in this movie where it's like love equals death like they are synonymous like that's kind of like the theme in here and you're like yeah it's such yeah. a french such a french idea mm-hmm. and it's weird because she how it all ties together with the killer is just so weird like mm-hmm. so she's having these dreams about something that happened to him. Like somehow she's like linked. Yeah. Psychologically, but not literally, right? I also want to mention the bird boy. When she- <laughs> With the, the interesting the we- hand. Yeah, the weird aside where yeah, she that's like- beautiful mute- prosthetic. <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. But I'm like, wait, is this a dream? Or is there actually a mutant bird boy? Like she just met like in the forest there. Like he's part crow, I guess. I don't know. But I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, there are- I. There are some plot holes for sure where like I think the plot has developed like through her dreams, but you're never really sure if it's actually if she it's a dream or if it's really happening or if it's sometimes even if it's in a film that she's making. Um, The only time I think we're really sure it's a dream is when it's like that black and white inverted color. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have no idea how they found that place. It, she was like, Archie, look in a phone book. And he was like, oh. 14th street of charms and then she goes to this weird pyramid place like how did that happen in a in a forest (laughs) in the middle of like a forest it's like okay that's where that is charms yeah it's just in the middle of the forest easy and then that one detective had like the eye that seemed burned like he had the one eye that never closed and i just like once we started to learn about the fire i thought for sure he's the killer or he was the dad or something Oh, I never but thought about that. They never go back there. But I, I thought his eyes seemed kind of burned. So as soon as that started to come up, I was like, oh, I see what we're doing here. And nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> this movie also had like, I went again, weird directions with other movies I was thinking about. So I'm like, so this is kind of like Boogie Nights as a slasher movie uh, <laughs> with the whole like porn like production angle. Or I, I don't know, like I kept thinking about the Big Lebowski. <laughs> and I think it's because the Big Lebowski has that whole uh, side plot with the the porn producer and stuff, and the movie within a movie. Uh, of what is it in the Big Lebowski? It's uh, log jamming. That's it. Log jamming is the name of the, <laughs> the the porn movie in a movie. And then this one had you know homicidal. When I saw that title, I was like, oh my yeah. god! Like they did it. 
And it just made me think how difficult it must have been to edit a movie back in the day. Like literally you have to splice mm-hmm. it and tape it together. And how many times it just, it exhausted me to even like begin to think about that process. Yeah. We were, we weren't, we weren't even doing that uh, when I had film classes, you know, over a decade ago and so long ago now I can't even remember, but it was all on video then. So, you know, that's like the early 2000s. So it's like, you know, film's been out for a long time and learning how to do this stuff. So, and it wasn't particularly graphic. Like, I don't know that I ever saw an actual penis. I think I saw some pubes and such, but like, mm-hmm. I thought for sure it was going to be a little bit more graphic. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, I thought that it, it, you know, I mean, it was definitely, there was a lot of sex going on, but I just thought for sure, because it was foreign, I was, I was like, I'm going to see lots of dicks, but you really, I don't think dead. No, just that dildo with a knife that comes out, which I'm like, that's, I know, a, ni- <laughs> that's an awesome weapon. I wrote knife plus dildo. As opposed <laughs> to knife plus I, I wrote in all caps, there is a knife in the dildo in my notes. <laughs> I also thought of seven, like it made me think of seven. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And that direct translation of the French title is A Knife in the Heart, which I find interesting that they went with knife plus heart here. Yeah, that's got to be just the English localization. They're like, let's be clever with it. <laughs> knife plus heart. Yeah, but it was a really cool movie. Like, I did the body count is not particularly high, but I find I was always intrigued on what was going on. Like even when it was taking its time, it was like random weird things like the, like her excursion to the forest and stuff. Like it was always just interesting. Yeah. And you know, I kept seeing people say call this like a deconstruction of Jalos and I'm like, I'm not sure this is a deconstruction. I think it just is a Jalo because it follows like the only thing is, you know, they swapped out instead of women getting killed, it's men. That's like really all they did differently. Like other than that, like it is just a jalo because that's like how these go. Um, the killer, masked killer, killing people. The plot rarely makes sense under scrutiny. Like uh, I've not seen a ton of jalos, but the handful I have seen, none of them make any sense when you try and like follow the plot. So yeah, but it was cool. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was like. That color palette really reminded me of uh, Baba. Speaking of, you know, blood and black lace, uh, mm-hmm. a few episodes back, you know, it was a very Baba-esque color palette. Yeah, that's a good one, Allison. You should check that one out. The colors are so cool. And there's some really cool scenes in that. Awesome. Will do. I'll add it to my list. Suspiria? <laughs> you haven't seen Suspiria? The no, OG? not yet. Oh, that's... Yeah, Suspiria. Uh, and Deep Deep Red. Deep Red's kind of like a lot of people call that like the the uh, the critical mass of Jalo movies. That was uh, another Argento flick. That's like it's so weird. It's just so fucking weird. Okay. And the credits in this are my f- two favorite colors, or my favorite color combo, I should say, which is ice blue and red. I just love those mm-hmm. colors together, and that's what the credits were in. So it made me very happy. All right, well, out of five dildo knives, how many do you give this? I'm going to give it a solid four. That's exactly what I'm going to give it, Jeremy, <laughs> you copycat. Oh, my God. What about you, Allison? I give it a five. I don't care. They get five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can watch it Never. over and over again and not get bored. She loves five, them. Five, five dildo knives. <laughs> And I think you're right, Jeremy, with uh, what was your connection earlier? Well, mine is music. I think the music kicks ass in both of these movies and is just very cool. 
Oh yeah, they're 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 just they're these pastiches, these blends of like a bunch of stuff we've seen before, but it's in a new. It, the configuration just feels new because uh, it's done well. That's like what do they call that? Like postmodernism when you take all the shit that's been done before and just regurgitate it in a new, yeah, uh, exciting way. Is that not deconstructed? Maybe that's deconstruction. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, but you know, it. I, it maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Hot takes a plenty. But Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a delight to have you. And these were two amazing films. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm glad that you guys enjoyed them and we could chat about them and I had a lot of fun. Yeah, good, good, good work. And these are a couple of movies I don't think I, they weren't like at the top of my list. Uh, so I wouldn't have watched these without having to do them for homework for the show, so. And I sort of mentioned it in the first part, but both of these are available on Shudder. So if you have Shudder, you can make a double feature and watch these two. And then write us at scaringissharing at gmail.com and let us know what you think. How many dildo knives do you give it? How many vampires on a skateboard do you give it? We want to know. Yes. And follow us on the Insta. Allison, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, people can hopefully look for you in a show this summer. We'll, you know, keep people posted. Do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Is that a weird thing? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't see why not. I just post pictures of my cat. So, um, like. <laughs> well, we'll make sure to tag you. But do you know offhand what your Insta handle is? Yeah, it's Gildan Pants. G-U-I-L-D-E-N Pants. <laughs> awesome so follow allison on the insta and follow us we're scaring a sharing so check it you know, out you can find us where we're uh, us ourselves are linked up to that instagram and if you want peeks into our sordid personal lives you can <laughs> check out our social media yes and thank you as always for listening we look forward to seeing you next week and um, hail Paymon. Long live the new flesh. Yep. All right. Signing <laughs> out. Thanks again, Allison. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.